let me, they're going to move. I don't like anybody behind me. That's just, <laughs> you never know. Uh, let you know about my wife, about uh, in April, she was diagnosed with cancer and stage four and she is um, going through treatments. The tre she seems to be responding well to the treatments, and so that's kind of turned our world upside down. And uh, we're, it's, you know, it's, I know some of you have gone through that, and you know what she's going through, and uh, you know what I'm going through with her. And so uh, I, we do solicit your prayers. Her mother called her one day after, right after we were, uh, diagnosed and uh, her mother said I didn't know if you wanted me to tell it and she said I want prayers you tell everybody because I want prayers and so uh, if you can remember Benita in your prayers we will appreciate that very much I'm excited about your theme for the uh, summer series on faith increase my faith you know, faith is something that is absolutely essential for us to be what God wants us to be. That's what Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, right? Uh, faith is necessary in order to please God. And a lot of times we think about faith and, and just to give you a little bit of background, about, oh, four or five months ago, I was involved in a, in a text conversation with a young lady and she had gotten involved in evolution and was really pushing the evolution. And she asked me this question, if evolution was proven to be true, would that change your faith? And my response to her was, that's a moot question. And she said, why? Because as I said, evolution cannot be proven to be true. And she said, but if it was, I said, but it can't be. It can't be because nothing, nothing in evolution can address the origin of the first thing. The only thing, the only way to explain the origin of the first thing is an omniscient, omnipotent, eternal source. Power. The Bible calls that source God. Elohim in Hebrew, El Shaddai in Hebrew, Jehovah in Hebrew, or in Greek, Theos. It's the only way to explain it. You may, there, there may be ideas of evolution that comes through, but evolution cannot explain the origin of the first thing. Many years ago, a very wise man told me, if you open your Bible and read, In the Beginning God... And you don't believe that, you just as well to close the book because nothing else is going to matter. And so we have to start with God. Now, 
What is that? I mean, starting with God, what is it? Well, have you ever seen God? No. But you know He exists. I want us to back up. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. The book of Hebrews is a book of revival. And the title that I've given to this lesson is Reviving uh, My Faith. Just reviving my faith. And we'll talk about what faith is so that we can understand that we must act if we're going to revive our faith. But we go back to chapter 10 and verse 19. In chapter 10 and verse 19 of the book of Hebrews, he says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And I'll stop there. Think about God made a promise. You go back to chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews and it tells us that God cannot lie. And so God made a promise. If God made a promise, He's going to carry through with that promise. If you believe in God, if you believe that God exists, you have to believe that God's going to carry through with the promise that He makes. God made us a promise. And He's made us a promise that we're going to have something better to look forward to. That's a promise that He made. And so what is faith? Faith is looking forward to that promise. That's what faith is really all about. When we think about this, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 now. It is that assurance. Notice what Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The, the conviction of things not seen. Now, if you think about faith from that standpoint, it is our assurance of our hope. Go back to the chapter 10 that we have this assurance. What is this assurance? It's the assurance of the things that we hope for. What do you look forward to? What is the one thing that you look forward to most in life? I hope it's eternity with God. The one thing that you look forward to most in life is eternity with God, and that's what faith provides. Faith is our assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction, I know it is true, the conviction of things that we have not seen. The King James Version reads just a little differently. The King James Version says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word assurance, that word substance that the King James Version uses is the word hypostasis in Greek. Stasis means to stand. Hupo means under. So faith is that which stands under our 
hope. Wasn't it something that stands under something? It holds it up, right? Faith holds up our hope. So, without faith, it's impossible to please him, verse 6, because without faith, you have nothing to hold up your hope. But notice this. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not a blind leap in the dark. Faith is based on evidence. Faith is based on, even though it's something we have not seen, what we hope for, there's evidence to support it. Have you ever gone outside at night when the stars are shining bright and looked up at the sky and saw the stars and saw the moon and saw that beautiful night sky and questioned the existence of God. Have you ever gone outside in the daytime like this and looked at the trees and questioned the existence of God? I don't see how anyone can question the existence of God because you see there's evidence. There's evidence that an omniscient, omnipotent, eternal source started everything. But that's not all the evidence. Go back into your Bible and look at the Old Testament and look at the number of times that the Old Testament proves that God exists. Think about how Isaiah said that there are uh, the stars in the sky are innumerable. Did you know that Kepler said there was a thousand and four stars in the sky at one point in history. He counted them, maybe it was a thousand, but we know today that what? They're innumerable. You can't count them. God said they were innumerable. Think about the paths of the sea. The Bible talks about the paths of the sea. And we, hadn't, we didn't discover that until in the early uh, 1900s. Uh, what about what about the uh, the eighth day, the perfect day for circumcision? We know now that that's the day that that's the time when the blood clots the best, and so it's the best time for circumcision. God knew that. And so there's, and, and we could go through a list of, of things that the Bible tells us that God knew. And so there's evidence. What, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying that faith is not a blind leap in the dark. Faith is built on evidence. Even though we can't see our hope, even though we can't see the end results, even though we've never seen God, we know God exists and we know that what God promises is true. How do we know it? It's our faith. It's our faith that holds up our hope. But faith is not just believing something to be true. Remember what James said? James said, you show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Remember James says, faith without works is what? dead. Faith without works is dead. 
And so what do we, we have a living faith. It's a faith that is alive. It's a faith that moves us. It's a faith that motivates us. And so what I want us to think about this evening for the, the time that we have left, I want us to think about this idea that faith is more than just believing something to be true. Faith moves us. Faith motivates us to action. And so when he says without faith it's impossible to please him, he's not just simply saying without believing that God is real, it's impossible to please him. He's saying without acting on your belief, it's impossible to please him. So I want to look at some characters in Hebrews chapter 11 that show us, and I won't have time to look at all of them, but I want us to, I want to show us the attitude that some of these characters had that motivated them. The faith produced an attitude in them that motivated them to obey, to be obedient, to act, to do something. And let's look first of all, let's go down to verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. You go back to Genesis chapter 4, and we read a little bit about Cain and Abel. And when you understand that Cain came and offered his his. his the fruit of the ground. And Abel offered the first and the best of his flock. Now a lot of people want to argue, well, God was pleased with Abel's offering because he offered a meat offering. Maybe so. I, I, don't, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. What the Bible tells us is that Abel offered the first and the best of his flock. It doesn't say that about Cain. So why was God pleased with Abel's offering and not with Cain's? Because Abel's offering was offered in faith. It doesn't say that about Cain. How does faith work? Well, faith's the attitude that Abel had. In giving God his first, he trusted God to provide. Just trusted that God's going to provide for him. And so his attitude that motivated him to, to do what he did, to action, the attitude was, I'll put God first and I'll give God my best. And that, my friends, is something that we need to think about when we think about our faith, our own faith. Faith is seen. Faith is not just a believing. Faith is action. And it's seen by others. And Abel, that's why even though Abel is dead... He still speaks because his faith was acting. We look at 
We look at Noah, look down to verse number 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. We're familiar with the story of Noah, right? God called Noah and he said, I want you to build me an ark. Can you th think about this? How would you feel, how would you respond if you were in Noah's place? It had never rained. Noah had never seen a flood. There was a mist that came up from the ground, watered the earth. He had never seen a flood before. And God said, Noah, I want you to build an ark because I'm going to send a flood to this earth. I don't know about you. The way I would respond is, you're going to do what? You think, I, did Noah know what a flood was? The grounds opened. The heavens opened. Everything opened up and the, just flooded the world in 40 days. But Noah did what God told him to do. He didn't question him. For 120 years, he worked on that ark, building it. God told him the exact dimensions to build it. God told him the exact material to use. God told him how exactly to do it. And he did it. Even though he had never seen a flood before, here was the attitude that Noah had that moved him to action. God said it. I'll just do it. There's a lot of things that we can make application to in, in this, this idea of our faith. Do we just trust God? When, when God said that, uh, when God said that, Women are to be silent. Do you understand that? you understand the argument? I mean, there's a lot of argument. That's fine. That's fine. And that's not, God is not diminishing women at all when he says that. He just said it. And I believe it. So I just do it. Uh, Someone hasn't been too awful long ago. I was in a discussion with someone about baptism. And they said they couldn't understand why baptism was necessary. They said there's nothing in the water. That water, it's, you know, water's to wash your body with. And there's, it's nothing about cleansing the body. It's about cleansing the conscience. So what, what's, can you answer that question? God said it. I just do it. Why do we have to have everything explained to us? The, the instrument question. I, I know the arguments. Sing and make melody with your heart to the Lord. Do, do you, you know that there's two words, two Greek words in that verse that can translate sing? And the word that they 
argue that it means to pluck the instrument, to pluck the strings of, is the word that we translate, make melody. And he tells us the instrument that we use to make melody with our hearts. I don't understand why God didn't say use the instrument. I don't understand that. But God said it. So I just do it. That's, that's the attitude of faith that Noah had. God said it. I'll just do it. And we take it one step further. Go look at verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived in a, as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs with the, of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham had an attitude that motivated him. God called Abraham and said, I want you to leave the land of the Ur of the Chaldees and you go to a place that I will show you. He didn't know where he was going, didn't know anything. All he knew was God called him and he left and he went. When we think about the attitude, what, what was his attitude? He never again owned any property except the cave of Machpelah where he buried his wife Sarah. Never owned anything else again. He wandered around in different places living in tents. Why do you think he did that? What was the attitude that motivated his action? Well, his attitude was, this world is not my home. I'm looking... For a city that has foundations, whose builder and ruler, the King James Version says, is God. I'm looking for something better. This world is not my home. Back many, many years ago, when my wife and I were I was preaching in Paducah, and, and the long story, but I was preaching in Paducah, and we decided that if I was going to preach full-time for a living, I needed to learn how to do it. And so our boys were small, and we picked up our family and moved to Henderson, Tennessee, where I attended Free Hardman. And my wife and I thought through, through the whole thing, we had just built a house, a really nice house. I was, an, uh, I was a, a truck driver, over-the-road truck driver, owned my own truck. We were doing fine. Built a nice house. And people were, you're gonna, you're gonna leave your house? And my wife and I both decided this world is not our home. We're looking for something better. And the, one of the steps to something better was an education. 
And so we, I felt like it was the best move, and my wife does, feels like it was the best move we ever made. My friend, now what I'm saying to you is the things of this world can't mean so much to you that you lose your soul. You've got to be looking for something better. And the attitude that Abraham had was this world is not my home. I'm looking for something better. We take it on one step further. Look down to verse 17. We look at Abraham again. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promise was offering up his only begotten son, it was he whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants will be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. You remember the story when God called Abraham and said, I want you to go take your son and offer him as a sacrifice to me. Offer him as a burnt offering. How would you have responded? I have two boys. And I, I, I can't even fathom. I can't even begin to imagine. But do you know what Abraham did? The text tells us that he got up early the next morning. Got everything loaded onto the donkey, got his servants together, took Isaac, and set off. He didn't know where he was going again. God said, go to a mountain that I will show you. And he went, and God apparently said, there it is, Abraham, there's the mountain. And so Abraham told his servants, you stay here. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and we will return to you. There they go. Do you have this pictured in your mind? Father and son traipsing up the side of this mountain and Isaac begins to question. And Isaac says, we've got the fire and we've got the wood. But where's, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And you remember what Abraham said? God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. What was Abraham's attitude that moved him? God will provide. That was the faith that Abraham had. That was the faith that, that prompted his attitude. God will provide the lamb. I think about what Jesus said in the great sermon on the mount, Matthew chapter 6, when he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal, but... Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we usually stop there. 
But God, Jesus didn't stop there with his, with his sermon. He went ahead and he, he called attention to his audience. He called attention to the birds and to the lilies of the field. And he says, look at them. Look at the lilies of the field. Look how they're dressed. He's, he, Solomon in all of his glory is not addressed like one of these. What is he saying? He's saying God does that. God takes care of them. And he, and he looks in and he says, well, what about the birds of the air? They, they don't toil. They don't worry about where they're going to live. They don't worry about anything. God takes care of them too. And then he says, Oh, you of little faith. You see, he was saying, if you worry about all of these other things and don't trust God, you have a little faith. And we need a active faith. And that's what Abraham had. Abraham's faith prompted an attitude of God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of us. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you many times in the last three months that my wife has said, God's got this. God's going to take care of us. God's going to provide. That's the attitude that Abraham had. And it's the attitude of faith. Take it. Let's go down. Let's, let's look at one more. By faith, Moses, down verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were afraid of the king's, and they were not afraid of the king's eating. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for reward. And I'll stop there. When we think about uh, Moses, we understand that, that Pharaoh had sent an edict out. And the edict was that all babies, all male babies, two years old and under would be killed. And the midwives were supposed to make sure that that happened. Well, Moses was hidden in the reeds in the, the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter came down and she saw Moses there. And she took Moses to her home. Miriam, Moses' sister, was hiding, watching. And she asked, do you want me to go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child? And Pharaoh's daughter said yes. So that's how we... We assume that's how Moses learned who he was. And so when Moses grew up, he, he went out and he saw an Egyptian mistreating 
an Israelite. And so what did he do? He rose up and he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. The next day he went out and he saw two Israelites fighting and he, he said, well, why are you fighting your, your, your brothers? Why are you fighting? And one of them said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill one of us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses understood that if that message got back to Pharaoh, he was in trouble. And so what did he do? He left. You know why? And, and the attitude that motiv motivated Moses, in my mind at least, why did he, if he had stayed with in, in, in Egypt, stayed in Pharaoh's house, he would, have, he would have had everything and anything he ever wanted or anybody could ever want out of this life. But his attitude was, the price is just too high. It costs way too much to stay here. What would it cost? It would have cost his relationship with God. And he said the price is just too high. When we think about our own lives and we think about everything that's going on, we think about what we want out of this life and all of the things what are we willing to give up to have all of the things of this life? See, all of this goes back to faith. We have to think and stop and think, am I willing to give up my soul in eternity with God for all of the things that this world has to offer? And I hope your answer is no. Hope your answer is absolutely not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm, not, I'm not willing to give that up. The cost is just too high. Real quickly, let's look at verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. We, we know the story of Jericho, how Joshua led the children. God told Joshua, you lead the children of Israel around Jericho once a day for six days. On the seventh day, you lead them around for seven days. You have seven trumpets or seven priests blowing seven trumpets. And then on that seventh trip around the city on that seventh day, the priests blow their trumpets and all the people are to shout. What would have happened if the people had said, you know, we've been walking around this city every day for six days and there's not even a pebble that's come out of that wall. I quit. I give up. And what if we go through all of this and there's trouble after trouble after trouble in our own lives and one hardship after another hardship. You know what the attitude that motivated Joshua and the children of Israel as they walked around Jericho, their attitude was, we'll just keep on walking. We're just going to keep on doing it. We're going to keep on doing what God wants us to do. And that's what we have to do. My friends, I ask you tonight, I want you to just think about your own faith and think about where your faith is and think about, does your faith motivate you to have the attitudes 
that these characters have in Hebrews chapter 11? Does your faith motivate you to action no matter what happens in your life? No matter what goes on, does your faith motivate you to put God first and give him your best? Does your faith motivate you to have the attitude, I just, God said it, I'm just going to do it. I may not understand it, I may not get it, but I'm just going to do it because God said it. Maybe your faith is like Abraham, this world is not my home. Is your faith like that of Abraham when he said, God's going to take care of me. God will provide. Is your faith like Noah or Moses? When Moses said, you know what? It's just going to cost way too much to give in to this world. Is your faith like Joshua and the children of Israel? And when trials come and hardships come upon you, you say, I'm just going to keep on walking. I'm just going to keep on enduring. I'm just going to keep on going because there's something better. I guarantee you there's something better. Have you read Revelation 21 and 22 lately? There's something better than what we have here upon this earth. So my idea is this this evening, revive our faith again. Revive our faith in God. And let's keep on walking. If you're here tonight and you're, maybe you're struggling with your faith. Maybe you, even at the point in your life where you're, you've, you've been questioning the, the very existence of God and, and you understand now that it's an active faith that causes you to believe and to follow. Or maybe you've never been buried with Christ in baptism and you understand that's something that I need, that God says do, that God requires of me. And I'm ready to do that. If we can assist you in any way tonight, won't you come forward while together we stand while we sing this song of invitation? shall come over clouds in the sky no more tears to dim the eye all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore what a day